Welcome to the Global Payroll Association's podcast in partnership with ADP, Women in Payroll. My name is Melanie Pitsy and I'm the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. I'm so excited to run this series of podcasts to give me the opportunity to introduce to you some of the inspirational female leaders that I've met over the last 20 years within the payroll community. My co-host today is Graham Wiley, who is the Vice President Marketing International of ADP. During our podcast, we will be discussing the highs and lows of individuals' careers and find out how they have got to where they are today. So, as they say, let's get on with the show. Hi, Graham. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. You keeping well? I'm uh, very good. Well, I hope I am. It's uh, middle of May now, so I think we're on our ninth week of uh, lockdown, and um, it's uh, it's getting a bit harder. But hopefully, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so happy to have, or excited to have, our conversation this afternoon um, with our, our latest person on our podcast. Yeah, so we're joined today by Virginia Magluglio. And uh, Virginia is based out of uh, Barcelona, and um, I'll let Virginia introduce herself. Hi, Virginia. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm Virginia Magliolo. I am 51. If uh, Even if uh, women often don't say their age, I'm based in Barcelona. I'm responsible of the global payroll offer for ADP. Only recently moved to Barcelona in January in lockdown, like everyone in this moment, but taking the most of the short period I can spend out of the house with my family. I have three kids, husband and a dog. I'm an electronic engineer and I work in payroll since 2015. So I didn't spend all my life in payroll, but I do enjoy it a lot. Excellent. Well, really looking forward to diving into the conversation. So, Mel, let's go. Good afternoon, Virginia. Um, so in terms of, you know, where are you based in the world uh, right now? And, uh, you know, what, what's happening in the, the city that you're in right now? Well, right now I am based in Barcelona, sunny Barcelona, I would say. Uh, I'm from Italy, as you can, you know, already spot from my accent. And I have three kids, a husband and a dog, so big family. We moved in Barcelona in January, and we were in lockdown since mid-March, so not very fortunate. But uh, in this moment, Barcelona, it's kind of going back to uh, normal life. So some phases have been established, and we are able to go out for walk, um, respecting time frames that were given to us in, in based on the age, so up to 10 o'clock in the morning if you are you know, uh, young but not a kid, and then after it's for uh, uh, elderly people and in the afternoon for kids. So they kind of give some orders and we go back to do normal things. Shops are opening again since yesterday, just if they are smaller than 400 meters. But of course, nothing is like before. So we need to wear masks and only a few people at the time are allowed in the shops. Uh, we are experiencing going back to normal, but the new normal, I would say. Uh, it's nice to see that people try to obey to the regulations, and so they wear masks around and, you know, sometimes even gloves, which uh, make us feel safe when we go around in the city. Yeah. And, and you've not been in Barcelona very long. You only recently moved there from Milan. Yes, we only moved in January. Um, I did know Barcelona already because in the last uh, two years I've been traveling back and forth from between Milan and Barcelona. Um, I was managing uh, 
Spain as a country, and so I was tra- I was doing that from Italy and traveling back and forward. Uh, but for my family, it's all new. My family only joined me in January, so we moved in. The kids started the new schools. They started to find new friends, and and then we were in lockdown. So now they go on uh, studying from from home in a virtual classroom. And and you moved in in January to take on a, a, a new role as as president of of ADP Global View. Um, perhaps if you could share with the the audience a little bit about your responsibilities and and what that new role is for you with the business. Of course, um, I manage now a global team. The team is made of more or less three thousand people, and these three thousand people are shared across multiple locations in EMEA, in North America, Latin America, uh, and in Asia Pacific. I have people in India and in China. Basically, what we do with these 3,000 people is to service the customers of um, ADP that have a large dimension. So they are typically, they have more than 1,000 1, people in a given country and they decided to outsource their payroll globally. So it's a multi-country payroll offer that we provide to the market for large customers. And this is what I am in charge of. So we run the payroll for our customers to different degrees. We can do it just in a processing mode so that we provide our platform to the customers and we make sure the platform is always um, legally up-to-date and compliant with all the regulations. Or we can do more and payroll and process the payroll itself for for them. So we have different service level, but we are an outsourcing company. We say service and product, servicing payroll across the border in uh, um, 26, um, uh, sorry, 42 countries, and uh, we we elaborate four million and six hundred thousand payslips. So I would say. Uh, a large volume, and it's my first uh, global role. I would say managing all these uh, different countries, different teams, and different customers as well. Just because that that sounds like such a you know um, a large team, and you know um, a large you know part of the organisation to manage. What what sort of challenges have you come across? As you said, it's your your first global role. Yeah, well, the first one, I must say, is a logistic challenge, as I was used to have my team spread between Milan and Barcelona on just one time zone. And it's, you know, you have to find a balance because when I started with this new job, I would work like 20 hours per day because you have Asia Pacific early in the morning, EMEA in the central time of the day, and then you go on with US and Latin, so there's never a stop or a break. Um, I've always been a hard worker, but to have the globe, made me work even, you know, too much. So the first thing is finding a balance. So it, you need to establish a routine. And, and, you know, my day now starts a bit later in the morning. So I start around 9 and then I go on until maybe 8.30 in the evening. But I kind of decided I had to put some boundaries and keep some time to have a walk in the morning or do something. So that was, I would say, my first challenge. The second one was um, to manage um, the cultural diversity that there is in the team. So, of course, uh, um, everything is very different, the way we interact with time, the way we perceive hierarchy, the way we, we like or not like to work in a team as opposed to as individual contributor with his own objectives. That's all very different across the globe. So I have taken some cultural coaching 
to support me in uh, in addressing that. Um, I think we are working together well as a team, but it, it was challenging, I must say, just to get used to these new dimensions. And and so, how long have you actually been in in payroll, Virginia? So first global role, but but how long have you been in the payroll industry? I started with payroll uh, five years ago in 2015, after spending uh, uh, many years, uh, so 15 years in IT. I used to work with a large company in the IT space. Um, it was um, IT outsourcing. So I would say the common uh, thread um, across my working life is to service customers and to provide outsourcing services. But um, before I was more on the IT side and, um, and then I moved in 2015 into ADP Italy. Uh, I was appointed as customer service manager and then uh, uh, shortly after, a few months after, appointed as general manager for the country, um, for the Italian country. And then from that, I've taken on the southern region, southern Europe, uh, European region, and then moved to this global role. So five years intense and uh, quite interesting, I must say. Um, when I joined, I thought, you know, how complex can it be to run the payroll? You know, it's you know just a simple calculation. And then I found out there's much more than that. And also how critical the service we provide is, you know, paying right and paying on time. It's so important for so many people that, you know, everything we do needs to be accurate and needs to be thoroughly uh, implemented and, uh, and to make sure that really the quality is 100%, the compliance is full compliance to a lot of different regulations. And so I found out a complexity I did not expect and I found found this fascinating. I'm an engineer, so I do like you know complex problems, and I like technology. And I found the, an entire world I didn't suspect it was all new for me. Do you think a lot of people underappreciate or don't realize how complex payroll is? I do. Yes, I do. Because sometimes I speak, you know, with my former colleagues or with friends, and and when I say, you know, we, you know, we process the payroll for millions of, of uh, end users and, you know, for hundreds of customers, they say, well, okay, well, it's payroll at the end. It, it's easy. I guess if you if you don't realize um, how many uh, laws and regulations um, exist and how often they change, um, it's, you know, you kind of think it's something that happens every month and more or less the calculation is always the same. So what is so complex about it? You know, then you think about when you get more close to it and you realize, for instance, in the retail, how many people leave and join a company every month and how many reports you have to submit to the local authorities to inform them about, you know, who joined and who, who, who has been leaving the company. Uh, and all the tax part that is very complex. And it's it's really a world that you only discover little by little when you are in it. I think from the outskirts, it seems to be more more simple. And through these conversations, we met a number of people who sort of stepped sideways or accidentally into uh, into payroll without fully appreciating the the scope and the the scale of the uh, of the industry. Um, and, and and you said you started life as an engineer, spent fifteen years in in, in IT outsourcing. So if you were uh, talking to people about this industry and um, encouraging them to uh, develop their skills, it's it's something Mel and the GPA are, are passionate about in terms of payroll skills. Where would you suggest someone starting out in their career today in payroll 
focus? What do you think are the key skills that they need to be successful in this industry? Well, I think the industry is changing a lot. So I think a payroll manager now um, become more of a process manager, if I may say. So it's very important to have that process mindset for two reasons. One is if I think about ourselves our, as outsourcer, we are implementing a lot of technology, robotics, for instance. So we tend to look at the process and take some part of the processes and either, you know, may, make them and have them made somewhere where maybe the labor cost is a bit lower. So in some remote countries or even by a boat, by a robot, because it is repetitive. And so what we keep uh, in our hand and control is the part that is more complex. And so you need to be able to see really the payroll process as a process in order to make sure that you can um, perform it correctly. So that process mindset and the ability to work on a continuous improvement way, looking at continuously way to improve the process, making it more quick or more accurate and introducing new technology is very important. So I would say being aware of the technology, the possibility offered by artificial intelligence and robotics, and so keeping up to date, uh, asking questions and, and, and learning, it's very important because it's not only the payroll, you know, the calculation itself, but how you do the calculation and how you continuously improve the process. There's also a lot of um, the need of being able to work in a team. Payroll is not done by one person alone. Normally, you need to have a lot of interactions with other people, people that look after the time and attendance or the HR systems. There's a lot of interchange, you know, exchange of information. And so when, when there is a project, the deployment of a new payroll, it's really a complex project. And so I think some project management bases are useful as well. Um, I think 20 years ago, because I've been asking and talking to people, the payroll specialist would be one person that worked um, as one person, you know, one person job end-to-end calculating one payroll. Now you cannot do it by yourself anymore. You really need to talk to many people to interact. And then maybe, as I, say, as I said before, the process has been split into phases. And one phase is performed, let's say, in Italy or Barcelona. And the back office activities may be done out of India. And then some of it is done by the robotics. And so you need to be able to work in this environment. And so I do think having you know, a good process culture and project management culture can support and being aware of the importance of technology, you know, it's um, it's very important. And also, you know, the user experience is more and more important. So whenever we do payroll, we try also to make it accessible to the end user so that you can, you know, access your payslip electronically. And, and so there is a lot of technology involved. And I think being aware of that and, it's, and curious about technology, it's, it's an important uh, asset for someone that wants to navigate that uh, that industry because i think there is a, an element where when i've um, had meetings with um, members and non-members or you know the payroll community there are still some people that are scared of technology and um, instead of em- embracing it um, would you is there any advice that you could give people to encourage them to to look at technology uh, more absolutely Yes, what I would say is that if you think about yourself outside the office, you know, if I think of me, I mean, I I was not always a technology, you know, addict or like interested so much in technology, but if you think about yourself outside the office, now you shop 
with your telephone. And in these days, more than ever, you know, we are all at home. So we are doing everything with our technology, iPad and, and telephones, and, you know, to take pictures, to take videos, to, to, uh, to, to use different, um, to consume different types of goods. And so it would be like saying, you know, I don't want to use technology in my life. Yeah, I don't want to book an airplane using technology. That's impossible. I mean, we live in technology. Our kids are digital. Um, my nine years old can do things on the computers that I have no idea about. But, you know, you cannot say once I get to the office, then I don't want to look at technology. I'm not interested because that's that's where we live. So I think if we apply to the world of work, the same curiosity that we have outside the work, we all use social media. We are all experts about, you know, Instagram and, and everything else because we are interested and we, you know, we, we want to be in line with everyone else and not be perceived as, you know, old people and not technology savvy outside the office. I would just say bring the same mentality in the office, embrace technology because it's just the same what you find outside and you have to embrace also in your work workplace. And I, I, I love the way you describe the payroll as a, as a process. Um, can you talk a little bit more about uh, how that gets um how you approach process improvement when you think about it that way. Because obviously, many people, uh, global payroll starts as something they do very organically. So their business grows into individual countries and they actually have different payroll processes in every different country. And then as as they get bigger or the, the organization matures in terms of how it's thinking about its business, um, standardizing that process can drive lots of efficiency in, and uh, benefits for an organization. So how do you think about standardizing a, a payroll process across multiple countries? And then how do you think about process improvement on an ongoing basis? Well, I, I think it's it's very important that word that you, you just use, the standardization. So I think if you think about payroll, of course, the phases of the process are the same everywhere you are located. So, you know, you need to process the input, you have a cutoff date after which you you don't, uh, you cannot insert, you know, new data anymore because you need to start to make your controls and, and run the payroll. So if you think about the basic phases, those are the same. If you start to standardize the way, you know, you call things and you call phases of the process, then you can look into that, into the phases and, and establish some KPIs. It's very important when you want to set up a process and to improve it to define upfront what success looks like. So, you know, what would be a good process and outcome? So, you know, the payroll must be accurate, must be on time, but for each one of the phases, you can establish, you know, what, what is a success criteria that you want to measure. And so you start to gather information, you know, you run the process and you gather some information about the process. And if you start to have similar names and to similar KPIs for each phase, then you are in the condition to compare different processes, you know, among countries, for instance, or among teams. Sometimes you would find that two different teams, their performance are completely different. Uh, in doing the same activity. So you have you know, one person that can process maybe 200 payroll in a month and, and the neighbor that can perform 1,000. So you start to sit down with them and say, you know, let me see what are the differences. Do you use the same tool? Do you have a best practice? And so you really start activity by activity to deep dive into it, to establish KPI and to aim for an improvement. We normally 
would, you know, we do a lot of uh, workshops, for instance, where we start to assess one part of the process and we exchange information, best practice, and, and we design a, what we call the future state design. So how, how do we think the perfect process should be and how do we get there? And then it's a, a continuous improvement process. So you don't get there in one step, one iteration. You can get there. Um, by steps. Uh, you can even decide that you have some quick wins. So by looking at the process, you find out looking at the KPIs that there is a bottleneck. There is one part of the process where, you know, we are always, uh, we, we have to stop because we don't have enough resources. So we stop because we wait uh, from an input from someone else. And so you start to look at that specific point and you say, okay, let's look at a quick win, something that we can implement right away. And what would we want to achieve in the longer term? Maybe you need to develop some technology. It's going to take a bit more of time, but you kind of set your goal, where you want to get, and then you have an interim solution, maybe a workaround that you want to implement right away to get rid of that bottleneck, but you also know that you're aiming for the long-term, long-lasting solutions. So I really think that at the heart of this is just, you know, naming correctly the process, trying to standardize it, and then setting some KPIs so that you can make sure that uh, you will improve those KPIs and get to a better place. Fantastic, and I, you you can you can really hear the engineer in you as you break that process down into <laughs> uh, into the individual steps. Uh, there was something there that you touched on, um, and we hear this a lot about about payroll being accurate and and on time. Um, and of course, that that's often then the immediate phase that follows that is that's then table stakes and that's core. So, so not to underestimate that core task of delivering payroll, which can be incredibly challenging in in some countries and at some points in time and in in some situations. But the the broader payroll profession, um, you know, how do you see them? Uh, delivering additional value into their organization. So not just, you know, using this process improvement to drive efficiency in, in, in accurate and on-time payroll, but you know, there's, there's, there's so much data and other things flowing through that process that the rest of the business could potentially leverage. How do you, how do you see payroll professionals adding more value inside their businesses? Yeah, well, um, payroll is fundamental because, you know, it, it contains so many data that are so important. You know, in the, in the past, you were rich if you had, like, uh, land, and now you're rich if you have data and if you have information. So I do think our HR um, directors are more and more business advisors for the CEOs, and they need to be there in the conversation of, you know, um, how to flex the workforce, where should be higher, uh, where it is better to grow, where it is better to invest, and, you know, where are the talents, uh, how do we make sure that we have the right talents to face the future challenges. And all of this conversation can only start if you know where the people are, you know, and and also how much they are paid and you want to plan, you know, for retention packages, whatever you want to do. Your talent strategy starts with your people and the data related to your people. So it is of paramount importance not only to have the data, but to be able to access to the data and to have, you know, reporting, analytics, to, to make this data available to the management so that the management can take informed decisions. So it's both, you know, paying the people on time, and which is essential because you keep them concentrated on what they are doing. And so they are going to focus on their work because they don't have to worry about, you know, have I been paid on time or not? 
they know this is fine and taken care of and they focus on what they need to do and deliver for the company. And on the other end, making sure that the top management, the HR directors, they have all the reporting, the analytics and the data related to the talents and the people working that are, you know, the major assets for our companies nowadays to make sure that you can take the right decisions and you understand where you have gaps, where you need to act and uh, what you want to do uh, next and how you want to plan your workforce strategy. It all starts with the data. Um, ideally, you can look at the data to do some forecasting for the future. You know, So how likely is a person to leave the company based on the pay rises he had in the past? You know, how, how I've been... Uh, the person has been treated by the company, you know, how many times the person has been promoted. So there's a lot of information in the pay that can be so useful for the management to understand what is happening, what will happen, and to plan for the future. Interesting, you you, you touch upon people's promotion uh, pathways. I want I want to switch gears slightly and just look at your career track record. You know, if I look at your LinkedIn profile, you've moved a number of times even though 15 years working with one organization you moved a number of times and if i if i if i summarized it correctly it's been four jobs in five years uh since you joined uh, adp what what yeah. drives that as a, as a as a as a professional as a as a leader of of teams in an organization um is is that just right place right time or do you have a particular approach to how you think about and manage your career and how you've arrived at the point that you're at? Well, actually, it's a, it's a nice observation because in the previous job I had, I worked for 15 years. I had 11 assignments and three kids. So basically, I make almost a job every year. I actually never asked to be moved in a different position. What I do is I'm very curious and I'm very open to accept opportunities, stretch assignments. Uh, I just like uh, looking at the business from different perspectives. Uh, I had this opportunity in the past to see uh, one division, the outsourcing division, from every potential angle, you know, service, project, uh, customer care, um, business, sales support, sales leadership, business development. And I found out it, it, it's fascinating. The more you, see, you look at the business from a different angle, the more you learn and the more you give back to the to the company because you have a more thorough understanding. So I, I, I tend to work in team a lot to reach out to colleagues, to collaborate and, you know, to always find what is best for the company I work for. So I'm never looking to my personal interest when there is an issue or something to address. I always try to find a common solution. And it means I normally work very well with colleagues, peers, and, you know, other leaders. And then it happens that when an opportunity um, appears, they reach out to me and they say, would you be interested to do that? Because we have been working well together in the past. And, you know, I think you could uh, have the right attitude to uh, address a challenge or to take on uh, more work. So I think it's a combination of of course, you need to be there at the right time, but just the attitude, I'm very open and flexible. I love changes. I love challenges. And, and uh, I'm, I would say I'm a transformational leader. I like to transform the organizations where I work and try to, you know, always uh, strive for achieving excellence. And uh, I think I'm quite obsessed with quality, you know, quality of service. So I always want to improve that. And I think that led me to 
to have many different opportunities, I always said yes. I, I don't remember basically, I think I never said no to a new opportunity because I always find it interesting to to discover and find another part of the business. And is there, when those opportunities come up, is there a, a mentor that you turn to or a, um, you know, a, a process that you go through? I think, I think a lot of people in, in global payroll kind of have that opportunity when that first conversation happens about, well, maybe we should think about this more globally. And there's an opportunity then for them to step forward and be part of a large scale change process. And, and sometimes that can be unnerving and, and, and potentially brings challenges. So perhaps if you could share some of your thinking about how you go through a process about whether something is, is right for you. It sounds like you always say yes. It's obviously yeah. a very robust process. Um, and, and, and then yeah. what comes next? Yes, so um, I do. I have my personal board of directors, like um, many people like to define. But first of all, I need um, I, I, I need to enjoy, you know, the challenge. It has to be something like challenging, you know, a problem to be solved or a large business. So I do like the content of, I have to like the content of the work and have to like uh, the manager I will be working for because I, I couldn't work for a person I don't share my values with. So um, that's very important to me. And and luckily, uh, I never got in the situation of, you know, working for someone that, you know, I, I didn't like, I couldn't go on, I didn't agree with the value that they had in the in the workplace. So that's the, these two items are for sure the content of the job and the value of the manager I will be working for, two important elements for me. Then I have my, my personal board of director. One, you know, I, I, I speak with my father a lot. I look like him uh, in an incredible way. When I used to get my mother upset, she would call me with my father's name just to tell you how much I look alike. <laughs> and I would say, no, no, it's Virginia. Sorry, wrong name. So we are very similar. So I, I have a first call. Uh, confrontation with him. Um, normally, you know, on the way back uh, home, I, I call him. Of course, I, I consult my husband. That is my, you know, my partner, my my best supporter. And uh, and I do. I have a friend I used to work with, uh, and and I've been working with this person for like many years. And now we are just friends. But this person really knows me in the office and outside because we are friends. And so. Normally, he relates very well to, you know, how will I feel, you know, you know, I think, I think that would make you, you know, very successful. Or, um, there is no, I must say, one time I said no to one to one offer. That was actually, you know, another company offered me to join, to join them. And this person said, you know, that, that's like, uh, that's not the type of job that you would like to because you like, you know, building things and, and creating the future and that that was more a type of job of like restructuring a company and like splitting it apart. And he said, you know, that that's not you, Virginia. You like building things. So you would go home and you won't sleep well. And I just, I like to have also that, um, that part. So my, my personal uh, part um, taken into consideration. And sometimes, you know, I just forget about it and I think about the job. Will I like it or not? Then I go to these external people and I get their view also. And, you know, I think personally this will fit with you or you will be happy with that or not. I think it's important so that you keep uh, your balance. If you only consult with people too similar to you, that's not good because diversity brings... Uh, 
different perspectives. So this friend of mine is very different from me, but knows me very well. And I think I like to confront my ideas with him because I get uh, a different angle of perspective. And the last thing I would say is not to be scared because I found I, I changed city many times. I think I, I relocated 11 times when I was um, uh, a kid. And every time I discovered change brought me a lot of new friends and opportunities. And some people are very scared and change averse. I think every time I change and I, and I took on an, an opportunity, sometimes I was more successful, sometimes I was less successful, but I always learned a lot. I always made, you know, new friends or had new colleagues. It's really enriching. It's, it's a good experience. So I would say just not to be scared to embrace change and then, have the people you go to, your mentors or your friends, your relatives, and, and ask also uh, their point of view because they may bring to your attention something that you didn't consider at first. I, I, um, I liked your comment about that you're always looking to the future. Um, you're, you talked about technology. What do you see the, the future of payroll? You know, Where do you see payroll in five years' time? Well, there are many trends that are going to influence the payroll, I guess, and uh, we, we see many of them. For sure, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all of that technology is going to influence the way uh, we do payroll, but also the way that we interact with the end user that, you know, we'll have to, to inquire for something about payroll, and we'll be able to do this with live chat or with the bot. So, uh, for sure, this type of technology will influence a lot of the payroll. I think also the frequency of pay, you know, with, with the gig economy and a lot of people having, you know, different type of jobs, more and more, we will see the payroll uh, uh, not being, you know, the classical monthly payroll, but weekly or like being paid on a Wednesday at the end of the job. And, and so uh, being paid when people need the money, uh, it's, it's a trend that is going to be more and more uh, out there. And by the way, we just recently I heard them, uh, the director of the ADP Research Institute speaking about gig economy and explaining to us that we may think that giggers are, are changing jobs because they don't find a good permanent jobs, while in fact they like and love doing it. So it's going to be more and more out there, uh, the presence of people changing very often their occupation because this is a, a lifestyle that people look for and seek is not is not uh, a consequence of not finding a permanent job so that's going to be there for sure um, I think compliance items are going to be more and more uh, important we have seen that in the last years if we compare the complexity of payroll 10 years ago and what's happening now with the GDPR but the new regulation in Brazil in California uh, in China now, uh, it, it's really, uh, it's everywhere and it's continuous. Now, of course, with the coronavirus in this moment, it's amazing. We, we have assessed the number of legal changes that we elaborated in the month of April, and it was like 458% greater than the previous year. So uh, also compliance and regulations gets more and more complex. And so for sure, payroll will, will rely even more on technology because that's the only way that you you can manage with you know this large amount of um, um, of changes. 
the the other thing is we mentioned I touched on it analytics is going to be more and more important so being able to uh, do some to predict what's going to happen based on the data so do something intelligent and smart with all the data of payroll that's another technology trend that it's uh, it's there already and will be more and more important because as we increase the number of data we manage without analytics you know data is you don't know what to do with them. You cannot read them. You cannot use them to do forecasting cycles. So analytics will be very important. And the last thing, is, is, which may be more impacting the HR applications than the payroll, is the fact that we will have more and more uh, dynamic teams. We work by project. And so, you know, we change uh, manager reporting line and so all of the systems that we use for a challenge for payroll will have to be flexible enough to accommodate that. So not uh, um, a fixed hierarchical structure, but dynamic teams and people working on concurrently on different projects. It's a lot, I know, sorry, but there's a lot going on <laughs> in, the, in the technology and it's, it's exciting to hear there there is a lot going on as you said and I didn't realize there was so many legal changes over in April that's just a, a huge amount for uh, yes. the payroll industry to deal with isn't it absolutely absolutely and it's um, it has been a challenge and uh, at the same time it gave us a great satisfaction to be able to you know manage all of that smoothly and we are getting a lot of feedback from the customers you know about being able to manage all of that and we are very grateful to our employees that are really working, you know, head down in this period, no distractions and focusing on doing all these activities. And I guess whoever is in the payroll has been experiencing that incredible amount of changes that uh, the regulator made, you know, maybe to give some protections to the employees, to allow for following opportunities as opposed to separation. I mean, there's a lot of you know, good reasons uh, for that, but the amount of changes is, I think, is unprecedented. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, Virginia, you joined us at the Uniting Payroll um, webcast that Mel organized early on in the, the lockdown process, which was really, I think, when the industry and the payroll professionals were, were saying, hey, we need, we need some help to get visibility of these these changes globally. Um, and obviously, you, you lead three thousand people around the world who are, are watching and monitoring and adapting to those those changes. And I think you spoke specifically about Germany on that call. But one of forty two countries with with which you and the team are are, are working. Um, and, and and you mentioned you were doing twenty hour days in the transition into the, the new role. So um, you know, as as you look forward now and you see the the pace of regulatory change and, and adaptation, what do you what do you see happening? kind of in the broader um, landscape now that, uh, you know, countries are beginning to emerge from from, from their lockdown, um, organizations that uh, have, have been looking at how they manage their payroll. What, what recommendations do you have for them at this point in time? Well, I do think, um, I think the pace of change in, in related to coronavirus is going to go back to a normal level. But uh, my recommendation would still be, you know, for compliance-wide to invest as much as possible, like allocating resources on that topic, because it's really uh, not going to stop. So we, we, we see, uh, we have seen a lot of new regulations and, you know, we, you know, we see now in China, we have seen, as I mentioned, in California, we, I think 
GDPR uh, in Europe just opened the you know the um, the way and we started discussing about data privacy and this is getting huge and it's complex to manage it has a lot of implications and we saw it you know in order to get ready for GDPR we had you know a full year maybe even more than a year of work to be ready to assess all the processes to assess you know data retention policies and and you know how would we prove um, that we are doing the right things to have all the system in places so this is going to be even more intense and really paramount in the next years because now every single geography seems to be wanting to align to the gdpr some of them even in a more restrictive way so i would say you know, this is an area where we need to pay a lot of attention and have good resources and technology to work on that because it's not going to go away. and <laughs> It's going to be even more demanding in the future. And it's it's not only for payroll. I mean, it's, it's for the you know, social platforms. I, I think um, we have so many data in so many different places that we need to have some kind of control over them. And that's why we're getting all these regulations. And sometimes uh, the regulations are so strict that it's, uh, it makes it uh, quite uh, complex to be compliant, to prove that you are doing all the right things. So it's, uh, it's going to be an area of high demand, I'd say, for the payroll organizations. This series is, is called Women in, in Payroll, and it was something that, uh, you know, when Mel and I started out, there were just a lot of really interesting characters in the, the payroll profession. Um, and as I think about your experience as a, as a woman in a leadership role in the payroll profession, um, how, do you, how do you feel gender influences or impacts your, your decision making or your, your, um, the way you approach challenges inside the business? I think more, more than, I don't think my gender is influencing a lot the way I take decisions. What, what I do think is that because of my, my, my personal story, you know, I'm, I'm an electronic engineer and when I got my degree, we were like 20 girls out of 400 in my classroom. So I've taken a, a path that was not typical for a woman. And therefore, you know, every time I went to a job interview or, you know, I, I always had this quote-unquote, you know, issue of the bias on the other side, you know, she's an engineer, but she's a lady, you know, will she be okay or not? So I've been leaving a lot, this, you know, kind of like judgment or bias on the other uh, end. So what what this made to me is that I am so much aware of, you know, how important it is to allow everybody to be their true self in the office. That I, you know, all pro, for diversity, we, we need... You know, we need to replicate in our companies what exi- what exists outside our companies at our customers. And so I always make sure that, you know, in my management team, there's a right representation of different um, genders, cultures. I mean, diversity is really um, a gift, I think, and it's, a, it's something, it's an asset for the company. And so more than influencing my judgment, it's just that it's influencing my actions. I always make sure that I do something to promote diversity. I'm part of a committee in, in ADP that is called Break the Ceiling, and we are working to promote uh, talented women because even in the payroll industry, if you look at the top you know, level of the companies, 
they are male dominated and so I'm trying really to sponsor young ladies and to make sure that uh, they have role model and I try uh, to, to describe to them how I could, you know, have a career and three kids and this is possible to be done, to work on uh, uh, abating uh, bias, unconscious bias. So that, that that's what, uh, you know, my gender, <laughs> it's, it's uh, bringing me to do it really to, to stand for, for this, uh, for the diversity in the workplace. And um, I spend uh, a good amount of time trying to do that and to make sure that uh, wherever I work, um, this is, uh, is there in the numbers. I mean, that's so, I don't think, I don't think you can just leave it as um, something idealistic. You know, you, you have to prove it. So, you know, in your management team, make sure that you have a fair representation and a diverse team whenever you have, to hire a person, make sure with the candidates you have an, an equal number of men and women. So then you will pick the best person for the job, but you know both of them will have the opportunity. Mm. And, and I think particularly you touched early on about moving into a global role and just the diverse range of cultures uh, around the world and within your within your team. Um, obviously, for a lot of global payroll professionals, they start in a single country and then move into a, a, a global role. And you mentioned, I think, that you'd had some coaching or advice about managing a, a global team. Is there anything you can share with the uh, the, the audience about you know, what, you, what you've taken from managing with a, a, a global team and how you encourage that diversity and for everyone to be themselves? Yes, absolutely. And uh, well, the first, the reason why I asked for some cultural coaching is that I do think uh, we have to ask for help. I think we don't have to be afraid when we try to find a work life balance or we want to, you know, face new opportunities to ask for help when you need. So I did ask for help and because I wanted to make sure I could relate well with all the team. So what I got out of this coaching is that sometimes the way uh, we communicate is very important. For instance, I am a very, uh, uh, how do you say, effective person when it comes to how I use my time. So even though I'm from Italy, that is, you know, a, a country with a lot of time dedicated to relationship, you know, having a coffee, but I just go straight to the point. I tend, because I'm so busy, I have many things to do and I have my family at home, I tend to start the meeting and go straight to the point and start the business discussion. And for instance, with this cultural coach, um, I found out that when you speak with people from Asia Pacific, they really appreciate you taking a bit of time to understand how is the family and, you know, what's going on and having an initial talk maybe at the beginning of the meeting. Well, maybe in the U.S. they say, how are you? But, you know, what they expect is just finding you and then you start with the business. So it's a question you are asked, but not really to spend time on your personal side. So it's these little things which if you do, um, they show to people you care and, and you, know, you can, you can uh, learn how to put the other person in a condition that, you know, they feel uh, supported and listened to. And, and it's these small things or like sending a memo after a call for some people in some culture could be offensive because you are showing that you don't trust them. While for other people, if you don't send a memo, it looks like, you know, you are not pragmatic or you're not serious in your intention. So I do think it's important to understand how to work at the best with other people. And one simple way is just asking the people, you know, I, I did say after three months I was in the role, I asked my direct report, what should I do more of 
less of or continue to do. And it's just in this one-to-one conversation that I found out I was, there was a weekly meeting at 6.30 in the morning. I just, I found it there and I kept it. Uh, and then there was, you know, the change in time. And I had, I had in my calendar, you know, a meeting that was far too early for people to join. I just didn't even realize. But, you know, for the culture, they, they, they wouldn't come back to me directly and tell me that. And then when I gave them the chance to have a one-to-one conversation, I got that feedback. And, of course, I moved that to 8 o'clock, which is more sensible time. But you also, you know, in Italy, it's normal to work until 8 o'clock in the afternoon, while in the U.S. maybe you would start very early and finish a bit earlier. It's just small things, but they are important for a team to work well together. So, again, what I would encourage to do is, if you move to a global job, just take a bit of time, um, and there's many resources available, to understand the culture, how important it is to spend some personal time, how important it is maybe to, uh, you know, now that we are at home, uh, send a picture of you working from home. Some of, someone would appreciate that a lot, and someone would say, that's inappropriate, you know, why should I see you working at home? I think, I think knowing how different people react allows you to keep everybody engaged and, and, and happy to work with. So it, I encourage to spend time in understanding differences in, in communication, time management, uh, um, and also in the hierarchy. Not, not everyone has the same. You know, in Europe, we are more um, careful about the hierarchy, and in the U.S., people are more easily go straight to the top because it's a more, you know, the idea of the organization is more flat and everybody can talk with everybody else and there is not such a thing as, uh, you know, you cannot open the CEO door and get in with a question, which you wouldn't do in Europe. In Europe, you would go through the assistant and it's more formal. And, and I think it's important to know because if you need to work with people in another continent, uh, you may see, you know, uh, doing things that are inappropriate or uh, not well perceived. I think that. That's great advice because uh, we found that when um, our members have become global payroll managers or global payroll directors, they have come across that problem with the cultural differences. And, and then there's that extra challenge of not only getting the payroll process correctly and on time, but also having to work with your colleagues and working out how they work. So that's such great advice to for, for people out there. I think it's fascinating as well, you know, to find out all the different way of thinking. I think it's, I, I lo- just love it. I love to find out that, you know, the same sentence could be given different meaning into different continents or the same behavior could be well interpreted or not. I think it's, uh, it's nice. So we're, we're, we're coming to the end of our, end of our time. I think there's, there's this fascinating sort of seam of curiosity that runs through your your experiences and some of the things that you've talked about and if I heard you right you said you relocated 11 times as a child yes. so that's that's 11 moves as a child and then what 11 or 15 jobs over the last few years it's quite an incredible variety and and, and breadth as, as you look back at that point what 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 one or two sort of uh, experiences have really shaped your approach to the role you do today um well, yeah, I think it may be different either from a personal or a professional uh, way. Of course, that would be different. But uh, I think uh, one thing I did, I at some point, I moved from Paris to Strasbourg. I was working in Paris. I uh, was just working since like four years. 
And I asked you with two days' notice if I would take an opportunity in Strasbourg because a lady wanted to adopt two kids and she finally got the opportunity, but she needed to move like somewhere South America to be there for a couple of months. And so on a short notice, I accepted that and I moved to Strasbourg and the place was not, I mean, it was cold and not, not friendly for me. They started to work very early for an Italian, like 7.30, they were in the office, 6 p.m. They, they, they were having dinner. And I was on my own. I knew no one. And so I said, okay, if I do this thing, then I can do everything. And I'm silly, but that's what I thought at the time. So I said, okay, if I can do this, find an apartment, know the people, work with these people so different from me. And I was, it was my first managerial experience. So I had five people working for me, three of them. The first language was German. I don't speak German, but we could communicate in French. So I did that, and at the end of these five months, which were tough, I felt very confident in myself, and I said, wow, I did that all by myself. So I was, I was very young. I was like 27, 28, and I said, well, there's nothing I cannot do. And what I found out is that uh, facing new challenges, and you go through them once, once you're over, um, gives you confidence uh, in the fact that you can succeed and you're able to do things, and, and so... I was much more lighthearted after whenever I accepted the challenge. So, well, if I did that, you know, and I moved with two days notice, I was on my own in a foreign country, very young, and I did everything from finding a house to everything else. I can do everything. So that for me, even if it was it was not such a huge challenge, but that's the way uh, I felt and um, gave me a lot of confidence after to do the other changes. And the other thing probably was accepting the challenge of becoming a general manager in in ADP. I just joined four months before, so it's new to the ADP uh, organization and to the payroll industry. But I got this huge opportunity and I said, wow, you know, if I say no now, I will, I will be sorry for the rest of my life. I think it's it doesn't happen every day. So I consulted with my board of advisors and I took that journey and it was amazing. I mean, I think the general manager job is the best you can do because it's, it's you know, it's rounded and you, you touch on to a lot of different topics and aspects. And again, I think going through that um, taught me how important is the communication, the fact that, you know, people look at you and listen to what you say. And it's so important, you know, how you send the message and what you say, because everyone, you know, want to understand from the general manager what's going to happen next and the tone of the situation. And so I learned a lot and I, I worked with an incredible team. I think that was, you know, Work-wise, uh, one of the best experience I had and really defining, I just learned, I understood that's what I love to do. I really love, you know, building a successful team and transforming operations. Um, also having the empowerment to do it because as a GM, you can take a lot of decisions. I love that. So I think those were the two best experience I had uh, in my working life. Mm. And it's interesting that phrase "build something." You've you've touched upon that a couple of times, um, describing roles that you've taken. You like like building things. Um, ADP Global View was a was a pioneer in terms of global payroll and and one technology across you know, multiple markets. As you now look at, at what you're building, perhaps we could just close with you know your view of 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 the future that you're building with your team and and the direction that you're you're taking. Uh, for the industry. So what do you 
you know, what's your vision for the for the future of the global view business? Yes, our aim we are aiming to we want to make it easy. I think simplicity is the secret for success. So we want to make the experience of the global payroll more and more easy for our customers. So what we are working now is to be uh, very aligned with our other multinational offer. You know, we address large customers with this technology, there is global view, and we have smaller customers, smaller countries that are addressed with another offer. And many of our customers, they have both size countries, large countries and small countries. So my objective is to make this experience totally consistent and seamless so that the customer will not know which is the underlying technology and they will just consume our service, you know, global payroll services, regardless to the payroll engine that is underneath. I think really simplicity and being accessible to the end user, it's my final goal. And in order to do that, I think a critical point to work on is the way we interface with other technology, because even, you know, our dream, of course, is to have the right technology for every customer and for every problem in the world, but there will always be a category for which, you know, a customer needs something special and maybe this is not in our portfolio. So we need to be able to integrate seamlessly with that technology. I think integrations and making sure that our customer can consume an end-to-end experience in a seamless way, whether that is all ADP technology or ADP technology integrated with other providers technology that may fit that specific need of the customer better than our technology, that's my final goal. So I think the way where we have to go is to make sure that uh, you can take the best technology that you need and you can access easily to, to that technology. And then, of course, I told you I'm obsessed with quality, so stellar NPS, stellar, stellar satisfaction of our customers, that's always my objective so to keep customers delighted and satisfied when they can use a lot of different technologies with a common front end and um, easy easy to access okay thank you mel any other questions before we close any other no. thoughts I, I i think um you just come across uh, very passionate you can tell that you love your work This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.